Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. My guest today is Robin Glenn. Robin is the CEO and co-founder of Base Education, an online mental health program that uses the social-emotional learning model to help children and teens. Robin has over 20 years of experience as a licensed professional counselor working with at-risk teens and has held a number of roles, including school-based therapy specialist, private practice therapist for adolescents, treatment coordinator for intensive in and outpatient teens, and research specialist in clinical trials for adolescents with addictions. Robin has served on panels and boards for various teen organizations, and she continues to educate law enforcement, school administrators, medical professionals, and members of our community through various speaking engagements pertaining to at-risk youth. Robin, it's so nice to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, so you've had some significant involvement with youth and adults spanning the last 20 plus years. Tell us what you've been learning through all this work and in these interactions that got you to consider the importance of social emotional learning as an aspect of being important in the lives of our youth. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I didn't know what social emotional learning was when I started base education. I was doing mental health in schools and in private practice. And so it wasn't until somebody said to me, oh, you do SEL. And I was like, what is that? And they described it to me and I was like, I guess, kind of, yeah. So it's just, it's interesting how the whole field has evolved over time. I've really just had a passion for students, their families, adolescents. It's just tumultuous time of development. And it's a really great time to have a positive impact and an influence on kids. You know, when people are adults, they come in for help, they're they're pretty well baked and it can be a little more challenging. And so adolescence is a time to really make a difference and to discover yourself in so many fun ways and to be able to be a catalyst in that process is just such a gift. So, you know, the evolution in mental health with teens has changed, I would say, largely in part due to societal changes. The brain has been pretty constant over time for the most part. But what we've seen, as as everyone knows who's listening today, everyone has seen the changes societally, and that's just compounded team issues. That's really good. I I love that kind of that setup there. It's you got a real passion for these young people, and and, and the teenage years are great years. Everybody tends to kind of go, oh no, you know, and but that's bananas. It's it's a great set of years that benefits from some informed adults and and caregivers to come alongside these young people in some really helpful ways. Help us identify some of the common mental health challenges you've seen and worked with, and then link that for us, if you would, on how you see the benefits of SEL being brought into their lives in this season of their lives. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say kind of the top three for adolescents, anxiety, depression, stress, those are probably the top three. There's also ADHD. You're going to get mm-hmm. a little bit more specific. But but most teens experience some type of anxiety, some type of stress, and some type of depressive symptoms, whether or not it's full-blown depression, far be it from us to say. But developmentally, those are really common experiences for adolescents. And those are even larger today due to so many of the societal factors that I you know, kind of alluded to earlier. SEL plays a huge role in those in that 
Unfortunately, for better or for worse, schools have kind of become the place where mental health is expected to be dealt with. And my heart goes out to educators. I mean, I know that my friend who's a math teacher did not go to school to do anything but math, yet she's being tasked with having to teach these topics in the middle of class. So it's really, really challenging. When I was in the schools, I listened to my colleagues who were like, Rob, and I don't know what to say. What do I, I'm supposed to talk about suicide prevention today. Right. I, I have no idea what to say about that. Right. So, you know, my goal was to create something that could help my colleagues yeah. to, to not have to find the words. And to just say, I gotcha. Well, help, yeah, you do not need to do this. You may have to donate some of your time in your classroom, but you don't need to donate your your expertise or lack thereof. We'll, we'll help you every step of the way. So SEL really has become the replacement for mental health help in schools. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, schools is where it tends to come out. I like that you've kind of come alongside your colleagues and kind of, and I'm, I'm going to be talking about this later on the show, and done some of the heavy lifting for them. So they don't have to go back and become, you know, SEL specialists and top of what they've already done and what they need to do in the classroom. But you kind of come alongside, done that heavy lifting, given them what they need to know, and then give them some ways to measure. But let's first talk about students accessing BASE. So BASE is a one-to-one student-to-device model that assigns SEL courses for students to take on their own. And this is an SEL training program online. And then it allows parents and other adults to review their response and be of help where necessary. So tell us more about this process for the children that you're working with and young people. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I was in the schools, there really wasn't anything to use. There were some programs that delivered content online, but there was no hearing back from the students. Right. So that was not very helpful for me. There are a lot of programs that are worksheet based and, you know, I would frequently find those crumbled up in the garbage and kids are like, really, Miss Len? Really? This is what we're expected to do? So my goal was really to give students something that was worthwhile for them. It felt meaningful and purposeful for them. So I wanted to create something that had a a little bit of an edgier appearance something that felt a little bit more relatable to them. It wasn't putting them in front of videos and just getting them out of their own heads. We know that when students watch videos, sometimes they tend to focus more on what what that kid is wearing versus applying it to themselves. So the purpose of BASE was to really help our colleagues so they didn't have to find the words because they shouldn't have to find the words. Give the kids something meaningful and and evidence-based and clinically sound. Give them a safe space and then in turn, have them be heard. Kids have to be heard because unless you know how they're doing, you have no idea how they're doing. And and a story of of this is we had a student in our district, our neighboring district, do an online SEL program. She watched videos all day and was kind of just typing in, but the answers went to no one. And at the end of the day, that student attacked their sibling when they got home from school and they jumped out the second story of their home right after school. And... That's not helpful. That's not helpful for the student. It's not helpful for educators to be able to identify these kids in crisis when you have them for eight hours a day. Right. When you put it like that, you're talking about if we're going to provide a program, let's do something that works. And what I what I know about most SEL programs is that they typically, and you're kind of highlighting this, they typically fall into one of two categories. First is the learn, where a subject or a topic is taught and knowledge is acquired. And this is where most, maybe like what you're just describing here, where most SEL programs tend to end. The other category is respond. And typically 
you know, it's, it's administered through an assessment or a survey. Students demonstrate this understanding or competency of a subject area. And these are okay. But this is often, as we're saying, where those involved are left with, with kind of a now what moment, requiring educators and counselors to create next steps with the data that they've received. But BASE has, a, and this is what I love about your program, many things, but this is one of the ones that really stands out to me. But BASE has this learning process. It's driven by methodology that not just sets your program apart, but it deepens the learning process. And you refer to this methodology as LCR methodology. Would you define and explain this for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I can't give credit to this methodology name. One of our team members named Brooks, shout out to Brooks for establishing this to help him better understand the framework of what we do. Learn, connect, respond is the student learns the information. As you just said, they connect with the content and they respond. The connect is also another piece. The connect happens from student to educators, student to parents. There's so much systemic connection happens with this program. That's why it has staying power. That's why students feel heard. It's not an individualized, isolating process. And one of our methodologies is it's a quiet journalistic process. And so the research on journaling in and of itself, it helps kids to guide their own journey. Journaling has been shown to increase critical thinking and application of new knowledge. It promotes greater skills and awareness compared to those who do not use that reflective methodology. And my favorite piece of journaling is it can increase self-awareness, enhance learning, and foster the development of critical thinking, as well as facilitating curiosity, self-development, and empowerment. And curiosity is one of those hallmarks for student wellness. And so being able to be introspective is huge, but then to be heard on your introspective process is just absolutely incredible. And when students have that safe space to be able to write their responses and then to have adults read on the back end, it's really powerful. I mean, these kids are digital natives. These kids are used to spilling their guts on social media. This is is how they're growing up for better, for worse. This is how they're growing up. And so when you put them in the face of an adult for this intensive face-to-face experience, some of them don't know what to do with it. Right. So at least give them the head start. Hey, this is what I'm experiencing. And then have the educator come around to the back and say, you know what? I, I read what you wrote and wow, really powerful. I didn't know yes. that you were struggling with reading and that you felt really insecure when you came to school versus you seem like you're in a bad mood lately. You seem right. like you're disengaged. The kid's like, you know nothing about me. Who are right. you to judge me? But instead it's, wow, you read what I wrote. That's really, thank you. That's amazing. And then they just kind of spill their guts and the, the conversation goes from there. What strikes me about that is, you know, when we talk about emotional intelligence, our, our, our EQ, we typically think of kind of four steps. One, recognizing what I'm feeling, the ability to regulate that, developing empathy for somebody else, and finding a way to bring that into connection. Those are kind of the basic four steps. And what you're talking about here is something that is so critically important, and that's developing self-awareness and the ability to introspect, to stop and say, and kind of mind down and do the within work before we do the between work. And this within work is so critical, so critical for success. We, you, you and I both know very smart people with a bunch of letters after their names, but they've got this develop, you know, developmentally arrested EQ that makes them only as good until the hot water gets to be boiling and then they just collapse, no matter how smart you are. And this emotional learning just takes the, if they, if they lack it, takes the legs out of any potential that they've got. But what you're talking about here is not just 
the, and this is the second piece that I love, the connect piece. Yeah. We're relational beings. And so if we can connect with a curious other, like an adult, you know, has some of the data or feedback and then links that to what the child did, what a cool opportunity for the child with some introspective being done, some self-awareness, maybe some words and, and understanding, then be able to have some verbiage to talk with the adult that says, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Tell me more about that in a curious yeah. way. And that what a great opportunity to connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when you see kids' responses in the system, yeah. I can go on the back end and look at their responses. I'm the only one who can. None of our team members have access to student yeah. data, but I can look at student responses. And when I see the way they've connected and I see someone say something like, in this module, I learned that I don't have to have high self-esteem in all areas. I can be good at many things, but not all things. And I'm still okay. It's so powerful. It's so humbling. And, and that's, just a, that's just a small piece. And even though it seems huge, it is huge. But it's the things that kids say as a result of figuring it out on their own. And that sends a whole other message. You're trusted to figure this out on your own. You are empowered to figure this out on your own and in private because this is about you. You should be in charge of this. Yes. What a great message. What a great good way to strengthen their ability, kind of trust them. I mean, what we're talking about, being able to launch our young people at, say, at 18, just as an age, we want them to have a self-confidence. And if we can watch them kind of struggle with some things and do that introspective kind of self-awareness you know, journey and then get curious about them with them and then kind of strengthen that through those interactions and that connect piece, what a great way to build some confidence in themselves and some competence or a sense of competence and their ability to navigate some things. But- What's being necessary is for them to understand what this social emotional piece is in their lives that without something like this, or unless it's happening in their home, where sometimes it is, which is great, sometimes it's not, this allows that to be kind of supplemented in a way that's, I think, really cool. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Most of us spend more time at work than anywhere else doing anything else. So why not spend that time in a job you love? Introducing Triad's Jobs Marketplace, the only job site dedicated specifically to behavioral and mental health professionals. Featuring more than 1,000 open jobs from dozens of behavioral and mental health employers and searchable by location, professional field, employment type, specialization, and more. Jobs Marketplace helps you find your next career opportunity. Full-time, part-time, or gig-time, make the most of your time. To access Jobs Marketplace, register for your free professional account at hellotriad.com slash BHT. That's hellotriad.com slash BHT. And then click to Jobs Marketplace. If you're already a member of the Triad community, visit app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. That's app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. Visit us today and take your next career step tomorrow. Let's let, let's shift a little bit. Each student begins their base journey with what you guys describe as baseline. What is this baseline assessment? Because it sounds like it's a really key way to come in, set the framework for what's going to be going on, and then for the opportunity to measure things afterwards. So walk us through the baseline assessment. Yeah. So the baseline assessment is a brief survey that asks kids questions in the realms of behavioral infractions or pro-social behavior, rather, attendance, engagement, academic self-confidence. And so kids are asked a series of questions and the results of this survey 
or really calling it a screener, tee up kind of where the student lies, normatively speaking, against national results. Other kids, either in high school, their grade, their gender, their demographics in general, their cultural demographics, we can compare them in a lot of different ways so you can really get a clearer picture on what's going on with the student. Based on the results of the baseline survey or screener, we populate a list of modules that would be appropriate for this specific kid. And then they're enrolled in those modules to take their own private pathway. This is one of the ways that BASE can be taken. BASE can be taken also as just a general, everyone's taking self-esteem, everyone's taking suicide mm -hmm. prevention. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to customize it, that's one way to do it. And then... Beyond that, you can re-administer the baseline survey 90 days later and see how they're doing. And then really reassign more modules or just have a, a meeting conversation with a kid and be like, oh my gosh, yeah. look how you've grown in these areas. One area that the kids pretty much never grow in is the behavioral infractions. Because if they take it at the beginning of, of the school year and they take it 90 days later, well, at the beginning of the school year, their behavior is perfect. <laughs> so we usually see scores kind of go down there, but it's because school has now started. You did mention something earlier that I wanted to speak to. You said BASE can handle the now what? And it's funny because I frequently tout us as the now what. You've got screeners all over the place. You've got worksheets all over the place. You can glean information on students in a myriad of ways these days. What do you do with that information? Right. We actually started as the now what, then built the screener. And then now we can say we are, we tee it up and we are the now what, because you've got to go somewhere with that data and even better be customized. Otherwise it's an inauthentic process for the student. Yeah, I think that's such an important piece. I mean, you're talking about kind of reverse engineering the, the process here. If we want to provide a now what, what do we build? you know, prior to that, that allows us to do the now what in such a unique way that separates you and no other company is doing this in, in quite the same way. And I love the idea that the now what being informed by these prior steps that come in and take what it about, takes about 10 minutes to take these 41 questions that are, yeah. that you get to know folks as you're listening, this is a research validated screener and it, and it measures all the five castle. We're going to talk about castle in just a moment, castle's main competency groups. And then it kind of from this pre-assessment kind of puts these modules together or like Robin's saying, they can, you can put whatever you want, you know, in place to be reviewed. But that baseline also allows you to have it re-administered probably as many times as you might want to in, in periods of time that, that span, but allows you to start measuring some things. And you guys, and I had a chance to look through them and they're really cool to look at. You guys then can take these baseline measures and pulsed measures and you provide these really easy to read very graphic reports about personal growth and what's happening with a kid. Pretty exciting opportunity to do that pre-post measure and maybe even use these for reports that the school might even, you know, share with folks. Exactly. Exactly. Our our results are can be coupled in with IEP yes. reports, with general behavioral reports. Teachers are using them in back to school night with, with parents and handing mm -hmm. them out. Just getting a sense of where your kid is. You know, a lot of parents think they know where their kid is, and most of them probably do. This is a whole other side of your student that you, you don't frequently talk about at the dinner table. Right. You know what I think, too, is nice about this is that you're equipping people. I think most people working with youth 
want to know where to enter and, and, and where the, where the juice is, you know, and where the target is and when, and, and where they're most going to be most receptive and probably, and maybe even most needy. And sometimes, you know, the best intended adults are trying to find ways to connect and trying to, you know, kind of shoot arrows, hoping they hit the right target, but you allow them to really focus on kind of where the entry points can be some verbiage that the kid now has, or the child now has, or the teen now has, and now the parents have access to as well, which I think really has got to increase the effectiveness and the efficiency of adults entering and connecting with kids. 100%. You have that home reinforcement. That's yeah. that's that's game that takes over everything. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if we are the only access kids have to healthy messages, Right. You know, in some cases, parents don't have this information. And it, actually, in most cases, so a lot of my friends are like, they come to me all the time. I'm like, Robin, I'm an accountant. I don't know what to say. Right. So, you know, we can help in so many ways. And it just keeps giving and giving. And a lot of parents are like, wow, this helped me too, because I didn't know about marijuana and the concentrates. I didn't realize the opioid epidemic is so closely related to pharmaceuticals and yeah. my kid getting their wisdom teeth out. Or you're just so many ways that parents can intervene and help and kind of have their eyes open as well. When you put it like that, I'm reminded of the fact that, you know, everybody thinks, oh, the teenage years, you know, the teens are going to kind of forget about our parents. They don't want to be around us and they want to go be with their peers to some degree. Yes. But for the most part, the teens that I've worked with extensively, teens want to be able to talk. They're, you know, trying to learn some things from their peers, but their peers don't, you know, know what they don't know sometimes about what they don't know. Yeah. And it's it's really hard. And I know the parents want to connect. So here are these teens that want to talk. Here are these parents that want to find a way to connect, but may not know how. And what you're doing is offering them a way to kind of come in and enter around some areas that 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 the teen has identified as being important. And now the the, the parents, the the teachers, whoever it may be as an adult, get a chance to come in and find a way to connect directly in the area where there's going to be the most receptivity. So I think that's so good. You know, yeah. I know, I know that in the same way that you personalize instruction to students, you have customized various learning opportunities and solutions that can help various groups navigate your program features based on their specific needs and their roles. So the, you've talked to in, on your site about these various roles, including solutions for district administrators, school administrators, teachers, counselors, and parents. Share with us the process of someone choosing their role, and maybe one of those four, or maybe all four if you like, and then the next steps that they would go through to receive the solutions that best fit their needs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm going to backstep a little bit, if you don't mind. I'd love to share the story of why BASE got started, and then that will help to inform on this question. That's okay? Yes, please. So when I was in the schools, as I mentioned earlier, there was nothing to use as far as what I felt was valuable in teaching kids these lessons about self-esteem, anxiety, you name it, anger management. There was a student in one of our schools who sat in suspension unattended for a full day. She was a sophomore. And she brought a gram of marijuana to school and was busted for this gram of weed that was found in her backpack. So she spent the day in in, in school suspension. No one checked in with her. No one gave her the messages of, you're 15, you're going to be okay. This is just a blip on the radar. Right. This is Uh, not who you are. Yeah, exactly. This doesn't define you. And how do we avoid these things from happening in the future? What are some of your personal vulnerabilities that lend lend themselves to making this decision? 
Right. At the end of the day, she went home and she hung herself. Yeah. And that was the moment that I was like, this can't ever happen again. No. This, I am certain that had she had the messages of you're going to be okay, this doesn't define you, that the outcome would have been different. And so that's when I put aside my fear of finding my way outside of a Word document in front of any fears I may have had and, and decided that this is the time to do this. People mm -hmm. need to know where their kids are. Principals need to know. Teachers need to know. And so that kind of goes to what we're talking about is how different educators, different levels can have access to the program. So whoever the, the decision maker is, they bring the program into a school. Right now, we are currently only accessed through a school contract. At okay. this current time, we're not direct to consumer into private households. That may change at some point. But so the contract is with the school. This decision maker usually is a principal or a superintendent, assistant superintendent. Those people can request to see whatever they want and customize the experience. They may, may, they may not want to see John's responses in, in third hour, but they may want to know how the entire building is doing, or they may want to know how their entire campus is doing. Yes. So they can have different permissions turned on to get access to the, the statistics. How many courses are taken in a year by my district? How many students are on? What's the average That's length good. of time the students in a module? What are the most popular modules? Yes. What are the ones my students are picking the most? And so you can really start to build a picture around your entire district. And so then it's kind of like the food pyramid in, in reverse. So they, that top admin may want to know at large what the district looks like. The principal may want to know just what's happening in the building and the teacher, maybe just the room. Counselor mm -hmm. may need to know everyone mm -hmm. because counselors right. travel all over districts. So we can really customize that experience and give them data that's informative for their particular position. How cool is that? Pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That was really, it's, and, it, it, and it's usable. I mean, it's, it's information that someone can do, you know, something around. Folks, pardon the interruption, but we'll continue this discussion on our next show. I want to thank our guest, Robin Glenn, for coming on to our show today. For more information about BASE Education, take a look at www.base.education, or you can email them at info at base.education. And lastly, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.